Welcome to the podcast for First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights. In this sermon series, Jesus As, we explore the various ways that Jesus is portrayed in the New Testament. We look at the ways that he is portrayed like Moses, Jonah, David, and Joseph. Enjoy. Now, I don't know about you all, but in my house, the excitement is palpable right now. My boys, I don't, I don't know if my oldest one's going to be able to sleep all night because he knows what's coming. This year, he finally has it in his mind what's about to happen, and so he knows tomorrow is presence, right? Do you remember what that was like as a kid? Do you remember what that was like when you came downstairs opening presents on Christmas Day? I can remember almost nothing else from my childhood <laughs> that, <laughs> that even comes close to that level of wonderment. And there's... For me, well, the way our house was, you'd come down the steps, and you'd round the corner, and it was just like it came into view, and you could see all the presents under the tree. And there's just something so magical, isn't there, about seeing all those gifts, pristine, untouched in their wrapping paper. And the best part, I don't even think, is honestly figuring out what's beneath the wrapping paper. It's the anticipation of being able to tear off all that paper And then just to see, oh, what's there? You know, that's the best part is just ripping it off. You know, the fact that I have boys now and I can see them experience this for themselves, well, I've come to realize it's even more enjoyable to watch than it was to experience for myself. And last year, after I got home from this service, which you may or may not know, seeing that you're here at 8.30 or whatever, that it goes much later than this. We don't get home until about 12.30 or 1.00. And I got back, I stumbled into bed, and then, of course, he wanted me to get up in the morning because he wanted to open presents. And so I went downstairs, and I'm watching him open, and I'm sitting on the couch, and I start reflecting back on my own life. And I started wondering, when did that magical feeling of Christmas start to change for me? And I realized that it wasn't all at once, but somewhere along the way, Christmas became a lot more practical and a lot less magical. Do you know what I mean when I say that? Like, did I get what I wanted, right? (laughs) How am I going to spend all this money that my great-aunt Mildred gave me? Or when do I get to take off this super itchy sweater that I've been forced to wear all day by my parents and go to the mall and exchange it for something better? You know, these are questions that, honestly, we all ask as we get older. And maybe it's just a fact that we're growing up. Or maybe it's a fact that I had this growing sense that this day where we exchanged presents was kind of bankrupt of meaning. You know, I think a lot about the meaning of Christmas. I guess I would. I'm a pastor, so that may be something I think about a lot. I don't know if you all do. But I think about the meaning of Christmas quite a bit. And, you know, at the 4 o'clock service, which is our pageant, it's where we have the play, you know, the kids, they get dressed up in their cute costumes, and they come down the aisle, and we sing all these songs. I mean, it's a super cool service. My kid was in it for the first time, and I I did the thing. The parents just like, oh, that's really sweet, you know, to see your kid in it, right? And I watched that whole thing, and I'm no Scrooge about it. I think it's really cool to have your kids do that. And it's really cool to see that play kind of brought to life through these children. But, you know, that's not what Christmas is all about. That's our version of what we want Christmas to be. 
We want it to be nice and palatable. We want it to make us feel good and thankful. We want it to remind us of our lost innocence. And you know, that word innocence, I think that's actually really, really important when we're talking about the story of Jesus' birth. It doesn't get much more innocent than a little baby right after it's been born. I don't know how many of you have had the privilege of actually watching a child be born, but it's a very moving experience. I had both of my boys were born at home. We did home births. Now, don't judge me for that, okay? (laughs) They came out just fine. There was no safety issues or anything. I got to see it really up close and personal, a little more up close and personal than I had anticipated. And when they came out, I tell you, there was something about it. There was something that really struck me because they are these blank slates with just so much potential. They represent just endless possibility because they haven't been tainted by the world yet and they haven't been tainted by you as a parent, right? I think one of the most challenging facts of life is that every single person at some point will have their innocence stripped from them. And you know, as much as parents try to shield their children from difficulty. Life has a way of interfering with those well-intentioned plans. And whether parents intend to or not, they are usually the ones who place their children in situations that damage their innocence. Now, I'm not just talking about when a parent sends their kid out into the world, which is what every parent has to do at some point. I'm talking about how the parent damages the child themselves. And you know, it can happen with a look. It can happen with an angry word. It can happen in this moment where you need your child to do something and they're just not following your directions and so you physically move them and force them to do what you need them to do. And in this one moment, without even realizing, all of a sudden, you have opened this fissure And you've broken their spirit. And that fissure, it can't ever be closed again. I think this is a really, really hard thing that we have to deal with as human beings. That we are responsible for stripping the innocence from one another. And as a father who actually really, really cherishes his children's innocence, I want to believe that I will not make the same mistakes that my own parents made with me. And I've done a better job on some, some levels. But I also know that if human history is any indicator, some of those mistakes are going to be inevitable. And I think that's why the story of Jesus' birth resonates so much with so many people. It's why you're willing to come back here every single year to hear the same story. I think there's something deep down inside of us that wants to believe that there is something good in this world, something that cannot be corrupted, something that can break the cycle that has broken us. And I believe that Jesus' story gives us that hope. It tells us that something good can thrive in this world of chaos. I don't know how familiar you are with the biblical story of Jesus' birth. 
But according to the scriptures, there's a whole lot of things going on when Jesus is born. We just read about it here. There's wise men looking for a new king. There's a genocide of baby boys going on. There's a census being taken. There's angels coming down telling human messages from God. I mean, according to the scriptures, Jesus' birth was no simple affair. But then again, neither was your birth. No matter when you were born, on that day, at that hour, there was a whole myriad of events happening all over the world. And had your parents been aware of all those various things, they might have thought twice before bringing you into the world. But the day you were born, they didn't care about any of those events. Because when it came down to it, you were the only event that mattered. All of a sudden, you reminded them that they were here for something bigger than themselves. All of a sudden, they realized that it was their responsibility to make sure that you had a better life than what had been given to them. It was their responsibility to make sure that all this potential cradled in their arms would come to life. And you know what? I think that's probably how Mary felt on the day that Jesus was born. No matter what else was going on in the world, when she looked at that baby boy, all she was focused on was making sure that he reached his potential. During the season of Advent, and I'll define what that is for anybody who doesn't know, Advent, those are the weeks leading up to Christmas, and it's what we do in the church to prepare for Jesus' birth on this day. I've been talking a lot about how Jesus is characterized in the scriptures, and the scriptures say that he's kind of like a new version of a bunch of Old Testament characters. And so for the last four weeks, I've been talking about how Jesus is a new version of Moses, how he's a new version of Joseph, of, of Jonah. He's a new version of David. I mean, the Bible says that Jesus is basically the new version of a lot of different things. He's portrayed in a lot of different ways. But you know what I've come to find? Is that none of those portrayals matter nearly as much as who Jesus was on the day that he was born. Jesus was the son of an unwed mother. Now I want to say that again, because that's a point that most people often overlook. Jesus was the son of an unwed mother. Do you realize what that means? I don't care, and I just want to tell you, I don't care how much God was a part of Mary's pregnancy. He was not born into good circumstances. Being born to an unwed mother in the ancient world was like the mark of death. Truthfully, from the moment he was born, he was an outcast in his own society. He would have been shunned by members of his own community. He would not have had access to good education, good employment, or good marriages. No father in their right mind would marry off their daughter to an illegitimate child like Jesus. And yet, even though this guy had all the cards stacked against him, he was able to do something that you and I could not do. You see, Christians believe that when Jesus was born and that when he grew up, He was a man who was not broken by the world. He was a man 
who never lost touch with his innocence. Indeed, he is believed to be a man who became the person who we all hoped we could become, but we lost touch with over the years. You see, the reason I think you all are willing to come back here year after year is because we want to be reminded that something like that is possible. That at least one person can become something more than what we have become. Because if it's possible for him, then maybe through Jesus, it's possible for us to regain some of that innocence. But in order for that to be possible, we have to be honest. And we have to admit that the magic of Christmas is not about opening presents, but about opening ourselves to the possibility that Jesus can heal our broken souls. I think the reason why Christmas became less and less magical for me over the years is because I realized that gifts were going to do very little to change my situation. And I realized this as I was becoming older. Because you see, when I was young, I used to look forward to Christmas so much. Because on that day, no matter what was going wrong in my life, I knew that I could immerse myself in these gifts and forget about all the pain and difficulty that was going on in my life. But as I became older, I'd wised up to the fact that presents were not going to do anything to change my situation. In fact, they made me feel much, much worse. Because when I would come downstairs and I would look at these presents on Christmas morning, all wrapped, pristine, perfect in their paper, it would remind me of how imperfect my own life had become. And so instead of healing my soul, Christmas was trampling on it. And every year, by my late teens, in December, when I would see those commercials on television, and it would remind me that Christmas was right around the corner, and I would just absolutely dread it. But then one year, I decided I would do something that I hadn't done for a really long time. I decided that I was going to go to church on Christmas Eve. And when I went, I heard the story of Jesus' birth, And I sang the songs that we sing here every year. And I felt something that I had not felt for a long time. Hope. Hope is a beautiful thing. Indeed, I truly believe that hope is the best of things. Because when you have hope, no matter how difficult or how challenging your life might be, you know that your future does not have to be the same as your present I don't think there's a single person in this room who doesn't know that the world we live in is full of darkness. And that is why Jesus' birth is so important for us. Because he is the light that shows us that the world doesn't always have to be this way. That there is something good here. And so tonight, what we're going to do is what we do every year which is we're going to pass that light from one person to the next. And when that light comes to you, I hope that you might see it as an opportunity to reclaim some of that lost innocence. I hope you know 
that there is something good in this world, that there is something that cannot be corrupted, that there is something that can break the cycle that has broken us. But most importantly, I hope that Christmas is a day where God heals your soul and gives you strength for the year to come. I hope, because hope is what Christmas is all about. Thanks for listening. And if you want to learn more about First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights, please visit www.fpcah.org for more information on service times, directions, and to learn more about the First Pres family of faith.